welcome aboard the USS Henson and to Rise and Shine, your unofficial Star Trek Enterprise podcast. I'm your host Jason, and join me on the bridge is my number one, Michaela. Hello! Now if you'd like to know a little bit more about us and our history with Star Trek and why we started this podcast, head over to anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts or Google and go back and listen to episode zero. And you can also find all our previous previous episodes over on those platforms too. And if you have any comments, questions or feedback for the show, you can leave them at Riser and Shine on Facebook or send us an email at riserandshinepodcast at gmail.com. Now, I thought we'd do something different today. Okay. Normally, we do this in the ready room, this podcast, or we do it in the mess hall if it's not too busy. But we had a fun in the Hollow Suite last night. Okay. If you know what I mean. <laughs> Keeping it spicy all these years, my dear. Please. <laughs> so I thought, why don't we do the discussion and review in the Hollow Suite as well? Okay. Do you think it'd be a good idea? Okay. Okay. I think, yeah, I think it's free, so we might as well do it in there. Cool. All right. Okay. Let's go over there now. Okay, computer. Run review program Enterprise Season 1, Episode 13, Dear Doctor. Wow, this place is bigger. It always surprises me when you're in the Holosuite how, like, it's this Lifelike. Well, it's this small room and. <laughs> it it just feels seems like huge. So... Right now we're in Florence, by the way. We're just in Florence and, um, yeah, having a coffee. And it's just amazing. I yeah. still can't believe this is. What is it? Pixels and atoms and like yeah. whatever they use, I don't know. I'll speak to the engineer, but it's incredible. Always amazes me how life like is. Yeah, look at the people walking. The pigeon shit, everything. <laughs> it's just. <clears throat> Trust you to notice. It's, that. it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, but we got to get into this review, um, which I think is probably my favorite episode now. Yeah, told you. Episode five, you did. Um, episode 5, Unexpected, was our favourite up until now, with the highest rating of um, four pips. Four. Um, but we had a feeling, well you definitely did, that this was yeah. going to be a good episode. And to be fair, it has Dr. Flox, so we, we yeah. like Flox as a character so far. And from the synopsis, it was all about, um, of course they meet another alien race, but there was this disease and some sort of some drama, drama conflict, off, yeah. morals kind of, kind of comes into question. So it had all the ingredients for this perfect stew of dramatic excellence. And I really enjoyed this episode. Yeah. Um, a big part of this, and normally in the show we have an episode MVP, but it's, I'm going to say it right now, John Billingsley, who plays Dr. Fox, Dr. Fox. Um, is great in this episode. Um, I've always liked him as an actor. I first saw him in a film, a weird little B-movie with Denzel Washington, no less, um, called Out of Time. Mm-hmm. And um, he's in that. And he stole that film yeah. from Denzel Washington. And I've, and that's why I first saw him. Now, he's obviously been acting before that, but he is a really good actor, really yeah. good, top-notch. Something about his voice, it's just this warmth... Yeah. Gravitas. He actually just... looks like my, obviously you never met him, but he looks like my art teacher <laughs> back in school in Italy. He does this kind of thing about, yeah, so he does have this thing about him. Right. Um, and it's funny because he's also, I don't know if you guys watch um, Homecoming. Um, season one is really good. I've just started watching season two. Um, just watched the first episode. It's not as good so far as season one. 
Um, and season one, by the way, was written primarily and directed, I think, completely by Sam Esmail, who did Dr. Robot. So if you're a fan of his work, definitely check out Homecoming. It was a podcast originally mm. and became a TV show. I think it's on Amazon, guys. I need to do some Googling, but worth a watch. Brilliantly directed. Um, he's a great director, Sam Esmail. But in Homecoming season two, John Billingsley, I've only seen the first episode, but he's in it. Mm. <laughs> and he looks, in terms of his costume, exactly how he looked in Out of Time. Mm. And in Out of Time, he plays a medical examiner, a doctor. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know, There's this, this, he has that thing about him. Yeah. You said he, he reminds you of your art teacher. Yeah. He's a doctor in this, yeah. he's a doctor in Out of Time. He does have this, um, how do you put know, it? Like care, very not trusting, trusting yeah, yeah, this kind person. Of, although in Homecoming, spoiler, um, I'm not so sure, but yeah, he definitely has this warmth, magnetic, but not in this um, playboyish, roguish charm way. No, like a proper just scientific a, a, researcher type of guy. Yeah, he's, a, he's just nice Like guy. Genuine, genuine curiosity. <clears throat> yeah, um, and he's a... This role, Yeah, I really can't imagine anyone else playing this role now. And it's a tradition of Star Trek to have these characters um, uh, in, the, in the Doctor role, um, from Bones to um, uh, Beverly to... Yeah, to the, um, to the holographic Doctor. To the Julian, yeah. to EMH, Picardo, yeah. um, Picardo, Picardo in um, Voyager, Phlox. You just have these sort of characters. It's a very really, crucial role yeah. in, in Star Trek. It's very well developed, I think. And he is perfect and fantastic and in this episode mm. he's really really good um so but, but i mean it's yeah it's a kind of a simple story that um, mm. the crew basically come across um an alien vessel with um the Valakin, Valakin mm. race on board and they are sick they're suffering from some sort of disease some blight that's wiped out sort of 12 million of them in um a year so that's kind of that's kind of crazy. Um, 12 million of them already gone. And they've been basically, they've sent out a few of them off ship, off planet, to kind of try and find a cure wherever they go, wherever they meet, and hopefully people can find them and help them out with um, a cure because they are advanced. No, I wouldn't say they're really advanced, but they're doing the best of what they have. Yeah. Um, but they've tapped pretty much their resources and people have been dying, so... Whoever's left really is just kind of hanging on with the bare minimum of care. And it's pretty much if you got if you catch this disease, um, and it's in the later stages, you're you're yeah. gonna. It's basically. a COVID situation, basically, almost. Yeah, just at, worse. At the like time of recording this, we're obviously yeah. we're in the pandemic, which is going to be in the history books anyway. So I doubt it's this will never age. This yeah. right now. Our current pandemic is in a similar situation for them, and so, uh, and pretty, the situation crazy. of these uh, um, Valakis, yeah, yeah are uh, this is very similar actually. It's uh, it gives like a respiratory issues, mm, it's a pulmonary, and, yeah. um, um, respiratory um, uh, disease affliction, yeah. and yeah, if you if you get it, you tend so, to be a bit so older. Spoiler alert on this: if you're currently affected, um, you know, just watch out for this episode because right, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, it could be um, sensitive in that sense, yeah. or it could be upsetting. But yeah, it is one of those ones. You know, Star Trek had these episodes where they do come across, mm. of, of course, being in space, some kind of disease, some kind of plague. What was um, the other outbreak. one? That the phage? Was the, the phage, the blight. Yeah, the, there's, um, they always come across, you know, um, these kind of outbreaks and plagues yeah. and diseases that 
have similarities to things on Earth, but they are very different, obviously. And if 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 the cure, or like the doctor can't figure out from the computer yeah. <laughs> what it is, it always tends to be a, a yeah. problem. Um, eventually, they normally find a way. But um, yeah, this is one of those cases where um, it was another disease that they have not come across. But what made this interesting episode was when. Um, and we'll go into it a little bit more, but I just, I'm just so excited to talk about the kind of dilemma that comes up into this episode because it was something that we were talking about last week where Archer was put into a position of, what can I say? Um, making some moral decisions? Yes, making some moral yeah. decisions. <coughs> based, and he was quite... And, <coughs> yeah, he was quite a, a little bit flippant about things. Um, but also he was, again... Because it's the early Star Trek before the original series, we're in these positions where he has to make these decisions before any directive. Yeah, yeah. Before any rules and regulations, it is literally Wild West situation here. Yeah, well, and, and I mean, they're going on emotion. They're yeah. going on just humanity, human just morals, but and, not and Starfleet uh, regulations. Yeah, there's no. You find out in this episode for sure now that there is no prime directive and there is no real rule book for what they are doing and yeah. how they um, approach situations when they meet other civilizations. Should they get involved? Should they be helping? How much do they help? How much do they get involved? Yeah. Um, so there is a scene which we'll get into um, that's quite the best scene and one of the probably the best scene that we've seen so far on yeah. the episodes and it really encapsulates what Star Trek's about. Yeah. And I guess how the prime directive or the rules sort of begin to form. Yeah. Maybe it's this episode is the kind of uh, the beginning, and there's, maybe there's going to be a tipping point later on in this series mm. where we really need to nail something down. But this episode for sure is a um, a watermark for us to remember because yeah. maybe it's here that because the decisions had to be made that Doctor Flux wasn't really comfortable keen with. to do, yeah. and Archer either as well, and they were both opposite ends, but really. But they wanted to do the right thing. Yeah. They came at it from the opposite end of the spectrum. So that was really good. Um, so basically, they find this uh, ship on, um, in space. They realize that it's a ship that doesn't have warp. Um, so there are two life signs inside, very weak. They bring them over and they discover that they have this uh, uh, disease. So they start discussing... So you, we have uh, uh, Archer, Flox, and Topal, uh, and the uh, Valakis person that um, kind of woke up and tell them about this disease that's been affecting the 12 million people. So, um, not affecting, killing, sorry. Yeah. 12 million people. Um, so they asked him if they had a, a, a contact with any other warp uh, societies or species. And they said, yes, we had two. Uh, the first one I don't remember, but the second one was the Ferengi. Yes. <laughs> and Archer asked Paul, do you know them? And he said no on both cases. So it's interesting. Ferengi, this, this is the first time they get mentioned. Yeah. And, and no one's uh, nobody them knows them. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I said to you when we were watching, I said, but I'm starting to wonder if the Vulcans really went into this space because they seem to not know a lot of things, right? But anyway, so um, at this point they decide because uh, they had access to these other two species, it was okay to 
uh, beam, not, go down to their planet and yeah. basically meet them in person, and that's what they do. Yeah, they go down to the the Vlachians, the Vlachian planet, um, where they meet um, uh, the um, the head physician, I guess, down yeah. the planet, and he kind of gives them some insight into the disease and what's happening and why it's affecting them, or at least as much as they know as to why it's affecting yeah. the, the locals. Um, and you reminded me actually that the device that the whole episode is sort of anchored on is um, a letter, kind of an yeah. exchange between Dr. Flox and um, his colleague, I guess, his compatriot yeah. called Dr. Lucas, who's a human. And there's a basically an interspecies medical association, I mm. would say, some sort of faction where obviously physicians from different planets will exchange and swap places. So, Flox yeah. um, being a Denobulan, he's with on the Enterprise with a primary human crew and um, Dr. Lucas is on his planet working with um, Denobians, Denobians on um, the, the physical, the, the medical side there. So the whole episode is um, um, Flock's kind of narrating, narrating a yeah. letter uh, as he's experiencing all of this situation with the, the, yeah. the Valakians and the sort of his personal life as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So this—that's the kind of the narrative device. It's using like a voiceover technique, and I really like the way they did that, especially with um, John Billingsley's sort of delivery of the letters. It's got yeah. this very warm, emotive voice, and um, the way he's delivering exposition but telling a story is just beautifully done. I, I really, really enjoy that. Um, so yeah. So they come down to the planet. And uh, Hoshi comes with them, of course, because she's going to be trans- translating. Ah, wait. And before we step to that part, we miss the um, situation with the, um, with the cinema. So Flox is also, um, as he always observes humans, he's also noting how um, they are behaving, he's already studying them, and basically he attends a, 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 a filming of a uh, classic. Yes. For, for, for whom the bell tolls, they're watching yes. yeah, with Ingrid Bergman. Yes, so, and he notices how people are crying, you know, they've got, they've got tears, there's trip, he's got tears, uh, you know, coming yeah. down his eyes. Um, and he is sitting next to Cutler. Yeah, which, we see Cutler again, who we, yeah, we last saw. We um, saw in that. Episode where they had the um, the the, the, the um, hallucinations. The hallucinations, yes. yes. So, yeah, he's kind of noticed because again, compassion comes into play a lot in this episode, and is one of the later on, like we discussed, is one of the um, emotions that um, kind of lead the the thinking and the and the judgment that Archer is uh, working with. So. At the same time, um, he's interested in this, obviously, study of human emotions and everything, but on, on the way back, he, he takes um, a company, uh, Cutler, back to her uh, room. Um, and there's kind of a little bit of a, uh, you know, friendly conversation, but she shows in a signs that she's interested yeah, in she's him. Yeah, hinting to him. And he... Yeah. Picks up on that. He picks yeah, up, he, but he's not sure because he says human pheromones are not as strong potent. as yeah, as <laughs> the the dumbbells, yeah. Dumbbells males, but um, yeah, that was quite interesting. It was funny when we going back to the cinema because 
I guess he went with Cutler because they were sitting yeah. next to each other. Yeah. And while people are watching this movie and some people are crying and sniffling and he's kind of looking around in a very sort of um, curious, scientific, scientific way, in a curious yeah. way. It reminds me of data. And he's very much interested and Cutler kind of sees him yeah. and is like, what are you, what so, are you observing? Yeah. You know, you should be watching the film. And he's, no, he goes, oh, I'm observing because I'm waiting to see what happens. It's going to be a mass sort of emotional outburst. He's yeah. kind of curious to see that all the humans are um, becoming... He's running of, experiments in, yes. in the background, right? <laughs> and he's... Um, so obviously he's kind of VOing this as he's narrating his letter back to Dr. Lucas. So yeah. he talks about um, Archer with Porthos. Yes. Uh, Porthos again in this episode today. Right. And he was just observing how humans um, they project, bond. Uh, um, project and yeah. bond on lesser creatures yeah. or on any little thing. You know, that they that can they, just project yeah. feelings and um, humanity onto things. Yeah. Yeah. And they talk to their pets. Yes. And <laughs> And anyone who has a pet will definitely know this. They are considered part of the family. Yeah. So, um, yeah. For, I mean, for it's funny because for us as humans, it's completely normal. But for uh, like a, a species like um, the flocks, who's mm. the, the nobulon, he's, for him, is very curious. But then he says, but then again, I do tend to speak to my bat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't really... S- probably doesn't do it the way we do you know when we talk to a pet to yeah. our dog our cat and yeah. stuff like that yeah so. um, but that was nice it was kind of sweet that he's just picking up on all these little cues yeah just like data like you said yeah. you know? um, and even the doctor the EMH doctor in, yeah. in Voyager is one of my favourites yeah. as yeah. doctor characters in, in Star Trek um, he has as well that same enthusiasm and curiosity about the way any species yeah. sort of often blunt and, and acts yeah right often blunt curiosity <laughs> um, and I kind of like that I kind of just like that observatory detachment a little bit and you just kind of step away from the maddening crowd and kind of look and observe things and you can just see the the cogs in the mind just sort yeah. of like turning as he's kind of noting and making observations so I, I, I like that especially with the doctor characters in, in the program in the series um Okay, so they go down. So yeah, down they go down to, to yeah. Yeah, the Blacking planet. And they meet the physician there and yeah. seeing what he's trying to do, helping the, the sick. And we discover that there's also a second race there because Hoshi comes down and um, I guess a sort of a nurse character or an assistant, medical assistant, approaches and speaks, but the translator doesn't understand. Yeah. And she's confused because she, they look like the Vanakins. Yeah. But they're actually a race called the Menk. The Menk, yeah. Um, which is a second indigenous species. And it was interesting because Archer was surprised because he explains to um, um, the, the Velakin doctor that in most evolutionary um, events that they've encountered, one species, humanoid species at least, normally dominates or becomes yeah. the, the ruling yeah. species, let's say, on, on the planet. And in this case, there's two here, although the Manx are seen as less evolved and sort yeah. of less intelligent but incredibly loyal and hardworking. yeah yeah um so yeah that that was interesting and you can tell there's going to be something important about them because um they don't seem to be suffering from the disease or the plague that yeah. the lackings are they seem to be immune from. so yeah and so flocks is interested immediately yeah. about that because Naturally, you want to know if why are these immune, people? You yeah, know, what you know is maybe we can create something from their genome system, from yeah. 
in their DNA. Um, but the doctor immediately, the Valakian doctor says, that was the first We're, thing we yeah. did try, but we are completely incompatible as a species. Yeah, right. There's nothing, so they, they physiologically would work with they our bodies. Not, yeah, yeah, they're not uh, compatible. So that's the kind of... That's quite interesting though, I mean, having evolved in the same planets though, and I mean, of course. That's the, that's the amazing thing about evolution, which yeah. this whole episode was really kind about of... About evolution, The theme of yeah. it was about... Evolution. I guess evolution versus empathy, right? Because in the scene that we're going to come to later, which was the heart and the core yeah. scene of the of the of the episode, it kind of gets into that. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it was interesting to see how that was basically because obviously, if they were compatible, that that's the end of the episode. So they had to throw a spanner in the works course, as yeah. a script, as a plot. Yeah. Right? It can't be that easy. So yeah. making them completely incompatible, even though one is immune, does set up an interesting plot yeah. structure. Yeah. yeah. So at the same time, uh, Flox takes uh, advantage of uh, the the hints that he received from uh, Cutler earlier on. So he asks if Cutler can be his assistant in doing this research, and she accepts. Um, and so, with Hoshi and Cutler assistance, um, Flox goes to visit the Meng village. Yeah. Um, and trying to run some tests, take some blood samples, see, you know, a first person what their immunity yeah, is going to be like. Yeah, he kind of, they embed themselves with, with the mink. Yeah. Um, and they find out that they're, yes, they are a, a lesser sort of evolved species, um, less intelligent, less technically advanced. Not less intelligent, being, less just well, less no, that's evolved, what I'm yeah. Um, but they find out that they're actually not. So yeah. say they they do discover that they, they have got intelligence. Yeah. Um, they've got some great ling- linguistic skills and um, they're smart and sharp. Yeah. And in fact, um, Cutler and Hoshi feel that the Valakians are exploiting them in some way. Yeah. They're not treating them badly because the men are happy. Yeah. They say that the Valakians look after them. They give them food and whatever they need. Yeah, they've got a peaceful relationship. They've yeah. got their own land, and so the two um, co-inhabit um, and exist peacefully together. And, F- and Flox is impressed by that because normally, you know, yeah, you would have war, right? Species naturally. like that is naturally We've seen that millions combat, of, yeah, fighting. Thousands of times on who wants to dominate Trek. exactly? Survival of the fittest. Um, but in this case, they live together. You remember that uh, planet where one species was the. Hunter, the other one was yes, prey. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Right. Yes, so, yeah. So, that was interesting, and it's during this kind of um, observation from, so we see it from two sides, from Fox, who kind of feels that this is their way, this is their culture, mm. whereas Cutler is more concerned that, and Hoshi, you're more concerned of the exploitation made going on, and the Menk not really giving credit for how clever and smart they actually could oh, be yeah. yeah because one if of them a to flourish. yeah because one of them um he begins to learn english just by listening that's right he um picks to, up some uh, some words doesn't he he kind of picks up a few words um he says uh food he learns food yeah and no food and fox is like oh how did you learn that and hoji said he must have picked it up while we were speaking in english yeah so there was a little hint to the intelligence underlying you know, fast learner, yeah, that sort of thing. What you see on the outside, maybe sort of humble and more primitive, is actually um, covering a much sharper mind and intelligence. Um, and there's a nice little scene here. So, because after 
um, Phlox picks up that Cutler might be interested. He does yeah. speak to T'Pol. He has a conversation to T'Pol about her experiences with species. And In the species of dating. Dating and yeah. relationships. And what does she say to him? She says... Um, she says to him, I found that our humans are not emotionally intelligent or not emotionally mature yes and, and she said they, they always interested uh, when something is new because yeah. it's out of curiosity they want to satisfy this curiosity about uh, yeah it's not necessarily yeah. a um, maybe not always necessarily a genuine interest, interest for something deeper just rather it's more this yeah to satisfy uh, a curiosity yeah um, which kind of you can see he's a little bit put off, rightly so. Yeah, know, like. so that gave Flots caution, it made him yeah. pause a little bit. So when he's with Cutler next, he meet, as they're kind of talking, going for a little walk. He goes straight to the he's point. He's like, you know, oh, you know, I'm, I'm married. You know, like I have yeah. two wives and they each have two other husbands. Yeah, because so, that's, the, that's the deal with the denobulants. Yeah, that's how, yeah. Each person has uh, three others. Um, partners. Yeah, partners, yeah. whether they're in a polyamorous uh, society there. And Cutler's like, why are you telling me this? And Flox says, well, because I picked up on some signals that you may be interested. Yeah. And at first he thinks he's wrong. And she says, no, you weren't wrong. Mm -hmm. um, you were right. But I've got no interest in becoming wife number four, basically. Yeah. So it's I just want to be your... Fling. Well, she says, I just want to be your friend. Yeah. And Flock says, define friend. And she said, let's just see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> so I like that. I quite like Cutler. I quite like her as a character. I'm glad we've seen her again. Yeah. There's something about her I quite like. Um, and I think Flox kind of, I don't know, he was happy with that answer. I think it kind of gave him a bit of clarity as to where they stand. Yeah. And um, what happens next? What happens? Um, then in the, we're going back to the Valakian <clears throat> Hospital. And uh, uh, Archer visits one of the rescue astronauts and uh, insists that uh, if Flux can't cure them, then oh, yeah. the Valakians <coughs> they need to receive the um, the knowledge on how to develop warp engines, right, so right. that they can help seek help, you know, in other planets. That's right. Um, they so this is kind of now becoming the central point. Are saying if we cannot have the cure, we need to be able to develop this warp technology so that we can go and search in other planets and find other people that can perhaps help they us can, with this cure. They can do things a bit quicker because yeah. they can, because basically yeah, their technique right now is to travel through space until they meet other species who yeah. are more, more advanced and might be able to help them find a cure. Um, and yeah, you're right, they are interested in the warp technology of the Enterprise, if, if it's something that they can have. And Archer, he says, let me think about it. And he goes to speak to T'Pol. Yeah. And, you and can, they have a conversation, right? Yeah, you, you can clearly see that uh, uh, he's feeling uncomfortable. And uh, so in this conversation, they kind of... He's, he's, he's voicing his concern. And he concerns and, and he says to T'Pol, you know, we should perhaps help them and stay behind, you know, and give them this technology. And Topal says to him, well, this is what Vulcans did. And 90 years later, we're still here. Right, yeah. Um, and I think Archer, he admits how he understands how Vulcans must have felt. Yeah, he said that. Then. <laughs> I, I, I thought I'd never say this, but I'm beginning to understand how the Vulcans must have felt. Yeah. Um, um, with us humans. With us humans. 
um, and then we discover that Phlox has actually found a cure. Yeah. But it's not so easy because the, they have to make a big decision and this leads to the best scene uh, yeah. I think in the episode and probably one of the best scenes that we've seen so far in, yeah, the, agree, in yeah. the series up to date where essentially the I think Phlox kind of makes his points about the Menk to Archer and explains to him that they are far more intelligent far more capable and sharp sharper than what they've been led to believe and in fact that the Velakians are probably um, holding them back yeah. because they've essentially got 200 years left um, before they're, they're all wiped out yeah, and the um, reason reason is that that this disease is genetic, right? Yes, yeah. it's not a virus, it's not bacteria, it's not something that's coming from outside, but something within from the DNA. Um, so really, uh, interfering at this point would really be it becomes an ethical uh, decision. Yes, it's not a practical because so there is this exchange because. Um, Archer says to him, but isn't that your job as a doctor? You're always interfering with fate, yes. right? Yes. Well, he's, just to set up his sort of um, retort to what Flox was saying. Yeah. Basically, yeah, Flox was saying that the Menk are um, much smarter and they're basically in a, an evolutionary process themselves yeah. where they could become the dominant species if given a chance to flourish, but on their own. Yeah. Um, so... Um, but it won't really happen yet with the, the Velakians around. So Archer's saying, you know, what do you want us to do? Do we choose let a species? Die, yeah, do we just wipe one out and let yeah. the other grow? Uh, or, you know, to evolve into what it is you're saying? This is basically a theory. You know, I don't really want to yeah. make it that. Might happen, it might right? happen, right? In the millennia. Right. Um, <laughs> it's a decision that I don't really want to have to make on such sort of possibilities. Yeah. Um, to which... Um, Flock says something like, you know, but if you kind of look at humanity and human civilization as well, if aliens had come and given the um, Neanderthals. Neanderthals an evolutionary advantage, advantage you yeah. wouldn't be here, right? So it's a similar thing. I don't think that um, we should get involved, basically. Yeah, we just let, let nature, nature make the choice. Ineffective is, is uh, speaking out for Darwinism. Yeah, you it's know, like let nature take its course. Yeah. Survival of the fittest. In this, it might, you know, it feels heartbreaking because obviously these are sentient beings, but he's saying on a when you look at it scientifically, which is what uh, you know Darwin did back in uh, a couple of centuries ago. He looked at it scientifically and and the and the how the species evolved and the species that better that better uh, adapted to the environment genetically and physically and everything is the one that then went further yeah um, so it's nature right yeah I, I was saying you know I was writing in my notes it was sort of this nature versus science but it's kind of really evolution versus empathy yeah between these two this, the two poles that they're coming from yeah. they both want to do the right thing for the mink and the Velakians but unfortunately the right thing does involve hands off you know just letting 
nature Take make its that course, choice. Yeah, yeah. Make, that, make that choice and, and let's see what happens. So it was a really, really good scene. Um, and then the next day, basically, well, so he kind of leaves it with um, flocks. He orders him. Orders flocks yeah. to create the cure. Yeah. Um, which Flox reluctantly does. He yeah. doesn't really agree with it, but Archer is the, his captain, and yeah. he he does so. He does make this cure. Um, but just before they're ready to go back down to the planet, Archer comes in, and Flox reminds him that you know, I would be a remiss if I didn't remind you again to consider the other option. Mm. To which Archer immediately says, "I have been reconsidering it. I've been reconsidering it all night." Yeah. And he essentially comes to the conclusion that. Flox is right. Yeah, it's it's not for us really. Uh, or until well, this is the part where we kind of get the the, the roots of probably the prime, the prime directive. Yeah. Because Archer says, you know, I don't want to do this. I wish we could go there and help these people with a cure. Yeah. But until there's a rule book or a directive, yeah. yes, this a is directive, the word, a directive yeah. that tells me what to do or in these situations yeah, yeah or what not to do in these situations i have to constantly play god here. Yeah, yeah, remind myself to, that yeah. we are not out here to play god yeah and decide the fate or yeah. not of other people yes or interfere with it yeah um so it was a really yeah. good scene really powerful scene and um my favorite yeah in the episode and of the series so far yeah. for sure it was it was really good um so essentially the compromise was that Flox does synthesize a cure, but it's essentially a band-aid. It's a remedial, I guess I'm on, an ameliorative measure. Yeah, it's like a delay. It, it lasts it's for a decade just, or maybe more. Yeah, it says. cures the symptoms. Yeah, it's purely curative. Which allows them, and he says to them, you know, a lot of things can happen in a decade. A lot of things can happen in a decade. You know, they might develop uh, their knowledge enough to develop their own cure that's right they might develop their knowledge enough to reach the um uh, to, to to be able to develop a warp technology yeah yeah so they don't yeah basically yeah. Not only so he's they, buying them time he's right? trying to give them as much time as possible yeah. um essentially yeah, so archer he had two big decisions he doesn't give them the cure and he doesn't give them the warp technology even to maybe find another species that might give it to them again for the reasons that we mentioned before he just doesn't want to he feels that Getting involved at this stage will cause some sort of um, uh, unbalance in their natural evolution. So he does not allow them to have the water technology either. And besides the fact, he just doesn't think they're ready to handle the antimatter and the science of it. Yeah, if they're not there to help them, it probably do more damage. I think that was the main issue. Yeah. I think that was the main issue with the yeah. water technology. They were not um, technically and scientifically ready to to handle it. Yeah. Because if they would have been, if they say they were at the level where they were just about to develop, I think they probably would have given it to it them. It could have been a tipping point for them to, yeah. you know, okay, you know, here's how you do it and yeah. figure it out. But, but it seems like they're the, really the, behind. Yeah, they're not quite ready um, for for that going forward. So it was, yeah, it was very dramatic and I, I really enjoyed that scene. It was um, quite emotional and the stakes were high and I really dug into the characters and again it was really um, superb acting by everyone especially John John Billingsley um, so yeah that's pretty much how it ended so yeah. they give them the, the cure the, um, the, remedial, the uh, remedial cure for now gives them some advice and just wishes them luck right um, 
and then it's not really a cure it's just like a hand, yeah. uh, something that's a remedial help them. yeah it's a remedial cure it's a relative yeah. measure to um to handle to the delay. symptoms i mean it's a cure otherwise they would be dying but yeah. it's not it's not the full end or yeah. be able it doesn't stop the whole thing yeah it just lasts for a decade he says and then yeah. hopefully in that time we figure out a way to to end it so I don't know. Maybe we'll go back and see the mink, hopefully, or the lichens. Yeah, the that would be interesting. Be interesting to see what happens towards the end of the series yeah. and see what happens. How far they got with that? Um, and I mean, then the, yeah. the episode closes quite nicely. Yeah, um, with a letter finishing. Doctor Flox finishes yeah. his letter to Lucas, and I think he definitely reached a new level of respect and understanding with Archer. Yeah. Yeah, they had a bit of a connection. Yeah, because yeah. he was mentioning at the beginning when uh, he was at the beginning of the letter and the episode, he was mentioning how it's a little bit difficult for him at the end of the day, being a different species, it's a little bit difficult to make a connection with humans, right. even though said he does have acquaintances, he does have people that you know he he. he uh, has lunch sometimes, you know, they, he attends events with them, they go and see him naturally being the doctor, but I think he's missing that real connection of, you know, sharing something, an experience or sharing a special moment with someone. Um, and I think he found now this kind of connection uh, with Archer and with Cutler and with as Cutler, well. And right. with Cutler, yeah. Because also it's difficult for Dr. Flox because being um, the Nobelin, he doesn't, or they don't like to be touched. Yeah. Quite introverted that was characters. Quite weird. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and he's not, I mean, he, uh, he's not so, uh, he's not, um, he's not sort of um, fastidious about being touched. He doesn't sort of freak out or become yeah. completely irrational. He, it's just always a shock for him. Sort yeah. Of thing when people I wonder why, touch though. Him. It reminds me of Sheldon from Big he, Bang Theory. Yeah, exactly. That, you know, that sort of beautiful mind type yeah. sort of personality um, maybe Asperger's type you know in, in a human sort of way of thinking about it but um, but he's not yeah it's not this full on sort of like you touch me it's just always surprising and it's quite sweet the way he kind of reacts when yeah. Cutler at the end of the episode where he yeah. kind of takes up the offer to hang out with Cutler you kind of feel he's this kind of quiet and um, unassuming guy um, but there's a lot to him. I yeah, mean, there's a lot yeah, to him, a and, lot of heart there. and I'm looking forward to see him uh, developing this the relationships with with yeah. uh, this, with you know, crew. with Cutler, with, yeah. with the crew, crew in general, Archer, and yeah, and see if he's gonna make him change. As is he gonna start to enjoy uh, the physical contact with people, you know, um, maybe just a hug or something, right. because he does come across as a quite warm personality, right? Yeah, so yeah. it would be natural to feel like he's such a pleasant person to be around mm -hmm. that you would want to hug him. You know, if you see him and your friends and yeah. maybe you've gone somewhere, you come back like you would hug uh, a friend that you haven't seen in a while, right? Yeah. Um, but obviously it's not happening because they don't like that. But it would be interesting to see if it does change if it becomes a little bit more human in that aspect yeah I really like he's got great bedside manner for a doctor he's got yeah yeah really good bedside manner which is important so um, yeah Dr. Flox is probably I like the UMC doctor <laughs> EMH oh yeah um, yeah but I still love the Voyager doctor yeah <laughs> um, so yeah that's that's it I 
think we kind of covered most things. Um, should we give it a score? Yeah. yeah. Time to give it a score. So at Riser and Shine, we rate each episode on a one to five pip scale. Essentially, it's kind of in line with the Starfleet ranking. Um, so um, an ensign will be one pip, lieutenant two pips, commander three pips, captain four, and admiral five pips. So for the doctor. So if you remember from uh, um, just the damage. The yeah, from the previous episode, I said I was gonna start from a bed of two. Yeah, so you were confident that I was confident you that on two yeah, I was giving him even seeing even seeing the episode because it was flux and it was off the ship. Yeah. So you know, I would be excited and give it an an. an even hint of five, but because we're so early in the series, um, I want to be conservative. You know. Um, yeah. So I, w- I will give it a super solid four, okay. like super solid four. I'm gonna four, yeah, four yeah. pips um, for sure. It's my favorite episode. Yeah, it would be a really a four point five. <laughs> if we had the points. If we had the half the point points, system, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, solid for completely. Um, had everything. Had Porthos, great acting, a, a, a nice story, dramatic in, in many ways. Yeah. A little bit of humor, um, dilemmas and conflict. All the good ingredients yeah. for um, a great story. And um, ended nicely. Well written, well directed. Well written, yeah. Nicely directed, not intrusive. Mm. Just let the performance, I think, just be. Yeah. And the VO technique of. Um, Flops um, narrating his letter to Dr. Lucas was just a nice touch. There's a lot of emotion in this episode, I thought. Um, and yeah, it just ended nicely. A really, really solid episode. Definitely Four Pits, my favourite. Um, so yeah, that's about it, I'd say. So that was Dear Doctor, um, episode 13, I think. Probably. Directed by James A. Contner and written by Andre Jacques Menton and Maria Jacques Menton. Um, episode MVP. Easy one. Easy. John Dr. Billingsley, yeah. Dr. Flox. Yeah. It's super easy. Um, best line of the show. Though. I thought there were a few. I thought you I, I Yeah, there's, there was a few. There's a few this time. Normally it's quite, it's quite... quite dry. Quite, yeah, well, it's quite easy to pick one. Yeah. Because, yeah you don't have so many. And so yeah. we've been pretty easy picking picking a line. But this one had a bunch. And so credit to the writers on this and, and the actors as well, delivering those lines. But there was a few. So... Like we said earlier, there was um, a big um, movie watching scene where everyone's the crew are kind of watching this film from uh, from whom the bell from whom the bell tolls with Ingrid Bergman, and it's uh, one of those weepy Hollywood golden yeah. era classic films. And um, Tucker is um, Flops watches Tucker, and he's yeah. called, you know he's crying, and um, he turns to him and says, "There's something in my eye." <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a nice line with Tapal and Archer. Um, they were talking about I think they were talking about. When they first go down to the planet, and um, Topol is a little bit concerned because they bring a lot of their equipment and technology. So yeah. Archer's a bit concerned. Uh, Topol's concerned that they may steal it, steal something, or yeah. attack them. And um, Archer was like, you know, these people aren't going to steal anything. Yeah. You know, he's surprised at her. And she says, um, "Your experience with lesser civilizations is limited, Captain. You might be surprised what a temptation our technology can be." Yeah, it made me think true, she's though. got a point she's got, she has yeah. got a point um, and considering that we learned that this species what they do is 
travel around until they do meet other yeah. species and they hopefully get help from them. But we don't know that they don't do something and steal yeah. their stuff or attack them or we just don't know. So that, she had a good point there. Yeah, because um, also, like, if it was just the sort of the, the Manx people, then it would have been different because they were way less evolved. They wouldn't have probably had no interest in the technology. Yeah. But the Valakians were evolved enough to appreciate the value of the technology. Warp drives, they knew yeah. what that could do for so them. So they yeah. would definitely would have been tempting for them. Yeah, yeah, so it would have been tempting. She so she, she did have a point. Um, but the winning line, I think, yeah. Dr. Flux, um, yeah. of course, it's probably going to be him. And when he and Archer were having their debate about whether they should help or not, or get involved, you know, nature, science, empathy, evolution, um, Flux says to Archer, evolution is more than a theory. Mm. It is a fundamental scientific principle. Yeah. So, yeah, I like that. I thought it summed up a lot about the episode and the two dynamics um, that the guys were coming from. So, yeah. that was really good. And I think think that's about it yeah yeah so exciting yeah yeah super like the episode really enjoyed it um and um, yeah i guess we'll look out the next one should be fun as well that's our podcast for today yes thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed what you heard you can find all our previous previous episodes over at anchor.fm apple podcasts pocket casts and google and if you want to leave a like uh, if you want to comment just say hello um, you can find us at Riser and Shine on Facebook, which you can also share with your friends. Um, and you can send us also an email to riserandshinepodcast at gmail.com. Join us here next week where we will be discussing Series 1, Episode 14, um, Sleeping Dogs. Mm. This one, apparently, the Enterprise tries to rescue a Klingon ship from sinking into a gas giant. So hanging out with the Klingons again. It's going to be Should be interesting. Klingons, you know, there's going to be... Arguments and action. There's going to be some anger, some blustering, some machismo. So, yeah. We'll see. Looking forward to that one. All right. All right. This is Roger and Shine with Jason and... Michaela. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) Yeah, I was still distracted by the people... Yeah, watching this, that we've been doing this whole suite is it's ridiculous um, yeah um, but we should go now we're going to go off to our quarters for some nice Elbray I'll have some hot chocolate okay sounds good see you next week guys bye